Hello everybody and welcome to Captain's Quarters, the Star Trek rewatch podcast by Nerdific.com. This is the podcast where we rewatch the entire Star Trek catalog starting at the beginning. Today's episode we are rewatching and talking about Star Trek Enterprise, Season 1, Episode 10, Fortunate Son. My name's Gabe. I have not seen this series, and I'm talking to Jason, who has seen the series. What's up, Jason? Hello there. So, Fortunate Son, obviously named after the CCR song, I assume. Or just the ship that we're talking about, and it's... Yeah, it's a double... It has, like, triple meaning. first officer, I guess. Right. Yeah, there's a ship, but also... We'll find out that Mayweather is the fortunate son. Uh, we'll get we'll get there. Oh, oh, oh! Mm-hmm. Didn't think about that one. All right, okay, okay. <laughs> In this episode, the Enterprise is hailed by whoa, whoa, Admiral- whoa, 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 whoa! Actually, sorry, buddy, but I actually want to go back to the T's, and the T's were actually playing is actually on the ECS Fortunate. Oh, okay. The captain and the first officer are playing low-gravity football catch, American rules football, um, catch in one of the cargo bays, and they're talking. Yeah, so the Fortunate is a cargo ship, Mm -hmm. and uh, it is running, I assume, by Dralax? Maybe? Could be. Possibly. Uh, Just based on things other people say in in the episode. Yeah, so they're, they're playing low gravity football and they're having fun and it's just an, kind of demonstrating how far you can throw it in this cargo ship yeah it's pretty cool yeah and, and you know in episode one mayweather who we've done a character highlight on but we're gonna have to talk about him a lot more in this yeah, episode yeah absolutely mayweather actually establishes to read very early on in episode one of season one he says uh, i'm not used to the gravity the artificial gravity being this heavy I, I'm used to it at point eight, uh, so which would make sense, you know. They're, they're, I'm sure they have to lift heavy stuff. Yep. You might, you might as well just ease back on the gravity, and make it a little I, bit easier. I on guess, yourself. I guess, dilithium ore is pretty heavy. I'm sure it is. <laughs> so that that's a cool little detail that they put in, and here we are, nine episodes later, and they're showing that on this cargo ship, the Fortunate. You know, they can play football, and the football will fly hundreds of yards with a regular person's throwing arm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and so they're they're throwing the football. They get attacked. Um, some some uh, shots ring out. Turns out it's some Nausicans, Nausicaan pirates. They attack the ship. And, yeah, like you said, that's the T's heading in. Mm-hmm. Basically, we see the Nausicaan ship fly, fly by, fire a couple shots. And so then Admiral Forrest hails Captain Archer in the middle of the night. Zero four hundred hours. And says, basically, there is a cargo ship in trouble. We need you to go check it out. You're the fastest ship in the fleet. The closest ship um, besides you with their warp capabilities would take like three weeks to get there. Mm-hmm. But with your... Your warp five, you can get there. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, warp five. Are yeah, they warp yeah. Four point five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Four yeah. and a half. Four point five. Four point five. 
uh, you can get there in a day and a half. So yeah. is it cool if you stop what you're doing and go check out what's going on with the uh, this this cargo ship called the Fortunate? So I thought it was pretty cool that there was, um, that there was on the communications it was interference. It was kind of, you know buzzing in and out a little bit it wasn't the clearest picture that was kind of cool <laughs> right and they you know they they have to establish these things that's what i love about this show is the the world building this being like the prequel to it all yeah i love how they have to like address this stuff but they do it in a cool way so they actually say yeah you know we're on, uh, archer says we're on this mission to deploy these subspace amplifiers once we do, these communications will improve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a kind of cool thing to address because it's like, obviously they're out there in the middle of, no, middle of nowhere or I guess um, further than probably anyone has gone before. So it makes sense they wouldn't be able to communicate very well that the technology wouldn't reach across space with very well, with very good fidelity. So I loved, I loved that, that they, they threw that in. Yeah as a as a sort of um origin story to how they are able to communicate across across the galaxy like this so and so they say okay yeah we'll go we'll go check it out they they go to where the the fortunate is they hail them they don't get a response uh but they can tell there are life forms aboard but there's also debris floating around they can tell they've been attacked so Mayweather, because he has so much experience on cargo ships, as we've talked about, on these freighters, he knows he knows like where, um, you know, like they can tell the port is damaged. He's like, well, there's an auxiliary one over here we can fly to. So he just yeah. knows knows his thing. So Mayweather, to Paul, uh, Archer go down. Uh, I know Flox goes down at one point. That no, the ori- the original way team was it wasn't it Mayweather, Reed, and Flox. In Archer, you mean? Yeah, in Archer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, okay. I think I think you're right. And so they go down there, and um, they're actually greeted by uh, sort of the uh, the first first mate, right? First mm-hmm. officer. Yep, the first mate. Mm-hmm. And he explains that when they were attacked, the captain was injured. He, the captain's unconscious. He's out of it. Um, and so he's acting weird, though. He's acting shifty. And so... Very much. Yeah. The the crew that is addressing him can tell. There's something going on. But they kind of play along like, okay, well, you know, while we're here, can we help you? Like, you weren't you weren't answering your comm. Can we help you fix your comm? Can we help you fix your ship if your captain's hurt like we have flocks here who can heal him and mayweather's like yeah i can back up that this flocks doctor is better than any freighter doctor that i've ever met so the guy's still being weird um so it turns out though uh he 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 accepts help but he can kind of tell he doesn't really have a choice incredibly reluctant to do so Mm -hmm. right he can tell that if he like flat out says no it's going to be a problem so we find out though that the reason why he's saying no is because when these uh, Nausikins like boarded their ship, they fought them and and won a little skirmish and captured one of these pirates, and they're yes. holding them in like a little cargo hold. Yes. And so 
This isn't the first time they've been attacked by these Nausicaan pirates. And so um, this, uh, this sort of first captain, Ryan, is his, is his last name, but they just call him Ryan. Yeah. Uh, he basically, he's tired of it. He's like... Um, he wants to stand up for themselves. They, right. You know, they, they've mm-hmm. been attacked by uh, Nausicaan pirates before. Mm-hmm. And do you want to talk about the lunch? Yeah, I was between... going to talk about that next. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, That's why I stopped. Yeah. Yeah, so it turns out, though, so they have this Nausicaan held hostage. And so this Ryan guy, he's basically like, um, you know, he's basically trying to get information out of this Nausicaan. I mean, they have him tied up. They're literally like punching him and stuff. They're interrogating him hardcore. Yeah. And they're trying to get basically the the frequency to the the shields of the Nausicaan ship, but also their location, so they can go basically get revenge. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what's going on: is that these freighter guys, their their ships go one point eight warp, mm-hmm. and yep. they've been doing this for three generations, at least, and they have developed their sort their whole sort of own um culture their own set of rules and at least twice in the episode the phrase they take care of their own is used yeah and and so you can imagine that them being that far out they would have to be that way just completely self-sufficient there is no help coming and so they're they're basically roughnecks right they're yeah basically yeah they're they're frontiersmen they've got that frontiersmen frontier people mentality where it's you know we're on our own and we're going to take care of our own and we're going to do it our way right exactly and so in this case ryan's way is he's just going to go get revenge he's tired of it he he doesn't want these nausicaan pirates to think that they can just like keep doing this and he's going to teach him a lesson yeah but he knows starfleet's not going to be down with this so he's trying to do it discreetly um so like like Jason was saying, he was playing along with um, getting help from the Enterprise. So he actually goes on the Enterprise, and you know he they, he eats lunch with Mayweather. Uh, since Mayweather comes from that world, they have a lot to talk about. So we learn more about Mayweather. So Mayweather was born on on his ship, the Horizon. Yep. And uh, he says that their ship, the Horizon, was was on the uh, Drelax Vega run. I think is what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that was kind of a cool callback because in season one, episode one, the pilot, um, one of the first like jokes that they say Mayweather. Uh, I think it's Reed asks Mayweather. He goes, "Hey, is it true Drelaxian women have three? And Mayweather's like. Yep. <laughs> um, and, you know, they don't say what it is, but we can fill in the blank. Yep, we can fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And so, Jason... Let's say eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, so, one thing that's interesting about that, Jason, um, as you know, I don't like to go Google answers. Sure. But but I, I did, in this case, a couple times. Um, so... When Mayweather says that his ship 
his family ship by the way this for the one that he's talking about the horizon like, yeah yeah mm-hmm. the horizon that's his family's ship like run mm-hmm. by his father yep. yep and you know the expectations were that mayweather was going to take over the family business yep. but um so he says the the Drelax vega run so i'm like vega that's a real star so i actually did look this up so vega is 25 light years away from from our sun yep and so this is obviously something that I've brought up a lot in the show is just like I'm trying I'm constantly trying to pin down how far out the humans have gone <laughs> prior to the Enterprise. Yeah, which you can do to, to a certain extent because Star Trek tries to do its very best to actually include as many stars and planets and mm. celestial bodies that we've actually explored, that we've actually kind of named and and discovered right that's that's pretty cool and so in he, he doesn't just say vega he says like the vega outpost yeah or the mm-hmm. vega port or something mm-hmm. so we know there's humans out there and so you know i've i've brought this up so many times i, I need to <laughs> i need to stop like doing this episode by episode and saying like oh that. Um, I, I need to stop saying, okay, they've mentioned this. That's how far humans have gone. You know, um, and, and so actually... No, but I think it helps give context for some people. Right, but I keep I keep being too, like, definitive about it. And then new information comes to light. And then it, like, is like, okay, I, I jumped the gun. And so I, I just need to make a more blanket statement of, um, I'm just curious to know how far humans have gone out and Mm -hmm. so as we go through this show we'll find out more and you know let's say we finish this show and they never give a definitive answer then i'll google it and i'll find out sure sure because i'm sure it's out there uh on the internet but you know so i actually did um look back at some of the episode one stuff just to try to see i guess to trace the origin of how it got there so Jason, the very first line of this show, which oh is, in that case, is the very first line of Star Trek, oh is is the child-aged Archer. Oh, yes. And, and he says, uh, go where no man has gone before. He's playing with his toy ship. And so, and then later on, adult Archer, when they're at the um, sort of ceremony, the... To, to um you know launch the enterprise admiral forest yeah admiral forest yeah. says up to this point we've only waded ankle deep in the ocean of space but now we get to swim and so to me when i first saw that episode i that took was beautiful <laughs> i took that to mean he was referring to what like we currently in the real world think of space exploration like you know neil armstrong stuff like that um international space station um but obviously then in subsequent episodes we found out about terra nova and we found out about colonies on asteroids and so then i had to backtrack i had to be like oh wait uh sorry i was wrong but turns out terra nova is the farthest that's what i said then and now here we are in this episode we're talking about vega 
and now I have to backtrack again. I have to say, oh, sorry. When I said Terra Nova as far as that was wrong. And, and I was also wrong when I said, um, you, you know, because Archer had talked about in in the uh, the episode with the comments, he had talked about that he had visited on a Vulcan ship and they had gone out to some nebula. And mm-hmm. you know, I was like, oh, maybe that was the first. You know what I mean? So I need to stop trying to like <laughs> go epi- in every episode, like, taking whatever data points thrown out there and being like, this is the furthest. And I just need to say the, the statement of we've only waded ankle deep means that with like probably about 1.8 warp technology, people have gone out, they've done mining. These freighters have gone out and um, I, I assume they're mostly going to, to get resources to bring back to earth. Um, or, or sort of near-Earth colonies or whatever. And they just well, have... Well, di- dilithium ore is mined into dilithium crystal, with which dilithium crystals are the energy source that gives us warp drive. Sweet. Okay. And, you know, powers the ship and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Um... I did not, uh, that, that's interesting to know because, you know, they're talking about building out the Starfleet and there's going to be more ships mm-hmm, with more mm-hmm, warp drives. Mm-hmm, so obviously mm-hmm. they're going to need this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's an interesting little tidbit there. That's why I think the Nausicaan pirates are, that mount these attacks on um, these freighters because of the cargo that they're carrying, because of how important dilithium ore and dilithium crystals are. In this universe. Right. Makes sense. Unlike those pirates uh, at the time of this recording, a recording uh, that attacked and just destroyed those Imperial transport ships of Rhydonium, if you watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> These pirates are actually trying to steal the Dilithium War. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, so just on that note of, like, how the stage was set in episode one, what does Cochran say about, uh, does he say, go where no man has gone before? Um, I'm not gonna say anything about that right now, because that will be revealed, maybe, in some other episode. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess it was just, (laughs) it was just a note that I had, had written that, just to completely elaborate on mm-hmm. why I've been like, you know, talking about um, like saying, because early on I said this enterprise is going to take man out further than any man has mm-hmm. ever gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's just much more nuanced and there's way more details than that. Yeah, there are. Be- because if, if they're going out to Vega, which is 25 light years away, you know, and 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 then there's so in this episode Mayweather talks about, um, you know, being on a, being on there for five years or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there he this whole culture of uh, cargo ship um, sort of uh, runners they're they're used to doing this for years on end. Yeah. So, as you said, you know. Mayweather was expected to become the captain and replace his father. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, our friend Ryan, uh, was a little cheesed by the fact that he joined Starfleet. 
Right, exactly. So he, you know, it be, their their conversation devolves over lunch to basically Ryan thinks Mayweather's a sellout. Basically. And you, and you can tell that Mayweather sort of feels like a sellout. But he just... Yeah, he, because Mayweather is kind of questioning, you know, he's, he's conflicted through this entire episode. You know, he's conflicted in this episode because he comes from that freighter world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but he you can tell that he has conviction in his choice. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Yeah, so he basically says, you know, this is, was a great opportunity and I I knew that I didn't want to spend the rest of my life like on this freighter ship. Yeah, mhm. And this ship has really cool technology. This ship has a transporter. Yeah. You know? It's like the first son leaving you know the family farm or the family fishing you know the family fishing boat or the family right whatever mm-hmm. he's the fortunate son mayweather yeah. is yeah ah yeah that's a good one that is a good one yeah so i didn't know. think about that one mm-hmm and and you know there's there's obviously going to be some survivor's guilt when you when you're the one who gets to escape um and, and you know this this episode deals a lot with something which on in my opinion jason it deals with like this is what i think the core is of this episode it deals with the fact that humanity is evolving <coughs> and that bless you uh, thank you they 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 are embarking on, on a new era in in humanity specifically this warp technology is just gonna it's going to make obsolete so many things and this this freighter um crew that that they're talking about has been in it for three generations and yeah and their their trips are gonna last years i mean at one point mayweather says he goes wait till you see like the children on board they're like what do you mean he's like what do you think people do (laughs) traveling at 1.8 warp between destinations like yeah 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 Mm -hmm. it's a long haul and people are gonna be like reproducing because there's nothing to do (laughs) and then when they're eating lunch ryan ryan is lamenting like the food that he eats relative to what's on the enterprise because the enterprise they're resequencing steaks and they have like full course meals and they have the best chef, chef in Starfleet, and so the the these freighter um, crews they 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 their whole lives have been this, and now yeah. it's going to sort of vanish. And with with the you know what I mean, the snap of finger, it's going to be absolutely. It's going to go away when this warp technology um, prolifer- proliferates. Yep, absolutely. And it is happening too, because more Starfleet uh, ships are 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 getting this this warp technology, yep. and and the freighter and, she, uh, freighter ships are going to get them too. So, yeah. And the other thing too is that um, another I want to hit on something. Um, I'm glad you brought that up, but I also thought that this was also that this episode was also very much a ooh um, very much a. The the freighter mentality is outside the jurisdiction of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Starfleet, it's, it's in it, even in this infancy stage right now, is kind of a military explore exploratory kind of arm of 
the social structure on Earth and potentially the galaxy. And this and these freighters seem to be they're afraid of the Federation. Well, I, I'm sorry, this is pre-Federation. Uh, Starfleet's overreach and mm-hmm. interference on how they operate and what they do. Right. And and so, but clearly, Starfleet is going to establish themselves as like a superpower in the galaxy to some extent. You know what I mean? Like they are, yeah. they mm-hmm. are going to have sovereignty, and so these these freighters are going to have to like deal with this new oversight. Yeah, and 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 I think that's another one of those conflict. I think it's one of the other conflicts in this episode where it was kind of. The little small business freighter owner getting, you know, overreach and interference and red tape and bureaucracy from Starfleet. And, you know, they were kind of fearing the government. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They're, that's, that, no, you nailed it. They're, they're libertarians. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Everything is pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. It's, it's, Yeah. And now that's all going to change, and technology is changing it. And, and yes. see, the thing is, is it it points out something that humans do is that we resist change, and we yes. sort of dig in and we fight. Yes. And it's not uh, rational to do that because this change is inevitable. There's nothing that's going to stop it, and definitely, yep. like digging in isn't going to stop it. But that's yep. the sort. That's like the dynamic that's happening in this episode. Yeah. Which was brilliant. <laughs> right, I know. And it was a cool thing that they addressed because clearly that that would happen uh, with this big leap forward um, hu- human um, sort of civilization would have to reckon with it. I totally agree. Yeah. So, so to Paul's scan, she can tell that there is a non-human life form. They're like... Wait, so... Um... T'Pol is suspicious because she finds out that the crew turned off the internal sensors of the ship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she can... and does a full scan of her on her own. Right. Because they were they they've been acting. This crew has been acting weird. Yeah. Weird the whole time for sure. The whole time. Yep. Yeah, I mean they didn't answer the hails, and yet there there had been like a distress call, and it was it, the whole thing was weird. And so, to Paul scans it, she, they can tell there is a Nausicaan on board. And so, Ryan fesses up. He says, yeah, this guy's my prisoner. And Archer's like, what gives you the right to take prisoners? And it was just more like, you know, we're, we're a freighter ship. You know, we're on our own out here. We, this, we, is where Ryan, this is where Ryan says to Archer, Starfleet has no jurisdiction over my, shi- over my freighter. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Archer says, you know... Um, orders read oh i'm sorry tucker to remove the newly installed um components that the enterprise crew was trying to help install or they were installing on the freighter to help them which would then if they remove the the newly installed components they would be helpless and drifting um right exactly and and then earlier when Mayweather and Ryan were having their conversation over lunch, and one of the reasons Mayweather pointed out that he joined Starfleet was like, hey, when else would I get a chance to be on a ship with a transporter? Yeah. Because, you know, that would be another thing that would sort of make obsolete some of this this transporting is they could 
if they could just transport things with this machine like maybe you don't need to haul it whatever but more importantly is ryan has obviously never seen one of these things and he goes um i he's he, he asked mayweather he says have you been on this yet been transported yet and mayweather's like nope but I, I want to and ryan's like i heard that when you go through for a brief moment you can feel yourself in both places and uh in my opinion that was symbolism so mayweather is sort of torn between these both two worlds starfleet and his previous life absolutely so so then later when ryan is trying to justify his actions of taking a prisoner mayweather's torn because mayweather can empathize with ryan like he gets it like we take care of our own this he tells the captain that yeah so mayweather goes into captain's quarters and uh tells him i think i agree with this ryan guy and then that's that's he asked the captain what if we just left him alone yeah basically Mm -hmm. right so mayweather's torn between between the two worlds and Mm so archer basically comes in and you know shows why archer is who he is why he's the captain is because um he he, uh, he basically says humans live by a certain code of conduct and you can't just like go murder people for revenge it's it's not right or take prisoner right it's it's immoral and yep and that's just who archer is and that that's who he he has been since the beginning like with clang the, the, yep. whole, the, the whole series of events that set off this whole show was because of his morals and, yep. um, that, that he didn't think Clang should be taken off life support. He should be delivered alive. And so that's what differentiates us humans, um, that, that, that sort of optimism and like um, altruism. <clears throat> even, even if it's the riskier route, it's like a risk we're always, not always, but... It's a risk hopefully we're willing to take. So Yeah. So uh, Archer convinces Mayweather, and you can tell it solidifies Mayweather's sort of um, feelings about like being okay with like leaving his old life and, and, and being part of Starfleet. Yeah. So they they try to go on to uh, the the fortunate and um basically say, Okay, well, Ryan basically lies to them and says that he'll he'll give up his his prisoner. He ends up sort of trapping them in a pod and releasing them, and then warps away after firing the Enterprise. The f- but like Han Solo, Reed was the one that fired first. Nice. That started the firefight. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get that. Hey, how come in Star Trek? I remember this from I I don't know if it was Next Generation or what. Okay, which, which yeah. is the only show I've seen. Sure. Why? Why does the captain announce which like tubes to use? Like he says, like fire torpedoes and so tubes one so and I, two. <laughs> so that that goes back, I think, to naval history. I think that goes back to naval and submarine warfare, where the captain always announces low torpedo tubes one and two, and, mm-hmm. and then you know fire, and then three and four. And I think I never served in the Navy. I've never served on a submarine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe, and maybe it doesn't make sense. Any maybe this is not true. But from what I understand, someone please correct me um, if I'm if I'm wrong. In that 
one and two would generally be port tubes, and three and four are starboard torpedo tubes. And whether your target is to your port or to your starboard, I think that's the torpedo tubes that you fire. But I know that this is very much a naval thing to for the captain to announce armed torpedo tubes one and two or three and four. I mean, it makes sense because, like, you know, if they were to your left, it, they would, and you fired port, it'd be a shorter distance for the torpedo right. travel. Right. right right i guess i guess you would just assume that that would be like that protocol would just be automated or they would know but maybe not maybe the captain is the only one who no, really I, understands yeah. the full the, i mean there respect. is a hierarchy in in the military and in the in the navy and this and star trek does pull a lot of things from naval i mean a lot of these things have naval history to this mm-hmm. so i think that is one of those things is where the captain uh, calls down to the torpedo room and says, fire torpedo tubes one and two. Okay. Or low torpedo tubes one and two. Okay. Well, so, you know, so um, the fortunate warps away. They, they fire a shot. It doesn't make it in time. Um, you know, the crew who had gone down to basically secure this prisoner, like, they're... They're in a pod, and and Ryan had shot a hole in it before he jettisoned it. So, um, Enterprise rescues them, but they tra- yeah they have to turn back before they give chase. Right, <laughs> yeah. So they track. They're able to track the fortunate, uh, because uh, the fortunate is going to go try to kill the Nosikins. So the fortunate, you know, warps to where the Nosikins are, mm-hmm. and tries to take them out unfortunately there's three nasican ships yeah so they they basically um are are handled pretty quickly um and are disabled uh they even with these like coordinates these shield coordinates you know they can't they don't have the firepower to take on three of these ships so so the enterprise comes in and uh comes into the space uh they hail the nasikins and basically um you know, Nazikins are like, screw you, we're going to kill these people. So, um, basically, they, they, they're they able to convince Ryan via Mayweather. So, so, Ryan, yeah. so they hail Ryan. That's the important bit right there, buddy. Mm-hmm. Mayweather. Yeah. So, typically, obviously, Archer would be the one who is, like, authorized to talk. But... But when they hail Ryan, you know, Ryan's like digging in and he's just like, no, I'm going to fight these people. And it's like, obviously, you're you're all about to die. Your whole crew is going to be dead after this. So Archer's not getting through to him. And then Mayweather's like, if I may, Mayweather's talking to him and basically reasons with him. And he says, if you do this, you are endangering every cargo ship out there and he's like this is no longer about me like empathizing you or me liking you he's like i'm worried about my family my family's out there running cargo you're gonna attack these nasikins and what do you think they're gonna do they're gonna retaliate on every cargo ship every freighter out there including my families so please don't like doom my family with this mistake 
he says that their that Nausikin's would response would be even more violent. Right. So that that convinces Ryan because now because that fits in with his his logic with this whole thing of yep. of you know he's been emboldened with this idea that he's doing this for his people. But but now he sees that he's making his people um, their plight worse. Yeah. So he agrees. Okay, we'll do a, like a prison transfer of sorts. We'll give the Nazcan pirate back, and in, re- yep. in exchange, the Enterprise won't uh, do anything. And you know, so everyone's like, okay, take the prisoner and leave. And the Nazcans yeah, actually agree. Basically, to this. basically, everyone saves face and lives to breathe. You know, mm-hmm. lives to breathe another day. Yep. Thanks to Mayweather. Yeah. Something. So I want to bring up something that we may have missed. Mm-hmm. But part of Ryan's. Part of his motivation was revenge. Mm-hmm. Because as when they were. When he and Mayweather were having lunch, uh, Ryan grew up on the ECS North Star and that was destroyed by pirates. Right. And so his parents were killed mm-hmm. on that freighter. But he survived. He was, and so there's another little layer of. He definitely has a why chip he's on out his for shoulder. Vengeance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good point, for sure. And that that definitely would shape his response to the current crisis for sure. Absolutely. Um, and is part of the motivation of why he wants to take out these Nausicaan pirates. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, that was, that was pretty much it. You know, one thing I didn't do, Jason, normally I like to say, um, who wrote it, who directed it. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I I honestly forgot. Although, we didn't finish because, so, Captain Keen Mm -hmm. regains consciousness at the end of the episode. He does, and you know what he says? He says, uh, he regains consciousness, thanks Captain Archer, and he says, hey, you want to join me for a drink? I've got some dr- Dralaxian whiskey, some, one, yeah. of the, one of the finest things in the in the galaxy. Yeah. So this Dralax place seems pretty pretty nice, Jason. They've got know, whiskey, right? they've got women know, with right? three uh, eyes, and... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they have... They use barley for their whiskey. Who knows? Yeah, who knows, Dralaxian barley? But any... But, um, Captain Archer offers to take Ryan into custody right. and take him back to Earth to stand trial. Mm-hmm. But what was, what was interesting was that Captain Keen says, no, I'm going to take care of it myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, he demotes him. He demotes him, yeah. <laughs> to the lowest ranking uh, crew member <laughs> on, the, on the freighter. Mm-hmm. Very pragmatic, though, because if he let him, if he let him go with the starfleet then he'd be one man down and they need every man they can get uh yeah and and the other thing we missed would be ryan you know part of his resentment towards mayweather was he uh you know like like i just said they need left they need every man he can get yeah so they were they were a man down when mayweather left and and it's in ryan's mind this is going to start a trend all these yeah Mm-hmm. All these, um, you know, freighters are going to, um, all the freighter crew is going to leave and join Starfleet. Yeah. So um, they're going to be screwed. They're not going to have anyone to sort of man these freighter ships. Yeah. So, which was really interesting to me because there's something in the fishing world 
that similar, and it's called the graying of the fleet, where you have older and older people serving and not being replaced by younger and younger crewmen mm-hmm. or even captains or first mates or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting, you know, I think part of it is that Ryan feels that this freighter industry, not only will it become under the jurisdiction of Starfleet and they're, they're going to micromanage these freighters when they've had these freedoms for all these years. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that, I, I it it seemed to me that he was afraid of that this fleet or these freighter this freighter life was coming to an end. Exactly. As we know it. Right. As he knew it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want that to happen. Exactly. Well, um it's a good episode. I, I It was a great it, episode. Yeah, you know it it um this this episode had a lot to reflect on. Uh, with the themes and stuff they weren't they weren't like um like towards this like they weren't like near the surface like it can be at times mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like i had to kind of dig deep to get to this one but it's a brilliant show man i love it so what was the reason you didn't uh intro our writers and directors and oh all i just that? i forgot oh really uh, which is a shame too because okay so it's written by james duff who is uh, credited with um, being the creator of the TV series The Closer and Major Crimes, mm-hmm. but it was directed by LeVar Burton. Kunta Kinte! Yeah. Um, who also... Butterfly in the Sky! <laughs> who obviously directed uh, at least one more episode prior to this, but uh, yeah, it's a shame that I didn't call that out, because it's... Butterfly in the Sky! He's such a likable dude. Um, it's just ex- oh, and exciting. You know what? Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just that on Star Trek Enterprise. Just that little role on Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> <laughs> that little role. So he has a little bit of Star Trek experience. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so yeah. Anything else we need to cover, man? Did I just age ourselves? That you know, butterfly in the sky. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Did we just age ourselves a little bit? Yeah, I wonder if anyone knows what you're talking about when you say that. They have to, right? I know, right? I know, right? That was one of those shows where... Young people, Google it. Yeah. <laughs> I could sing that entire intro song. How- I could too. However, I don't remember one second of any of the episodes. So it was like... Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what that show was about. Was it a cartoon? You oh my, okay, so obviously we're on a podcast, you can't see this. I can see Jason on camera. He is holding a reading rainbow shirt right now. Wow. Did you plan this? Did you know this? No, I didn't. I no, I didn't. <laughs> I uh, seriously I loved re- um that show. Was the, and like this is going to sound ridiculous. Like I said, I could literally sing the entire intro and I know mm-hmm. I could see the butterfly flying, the whole thing. But mm-hmm, what was mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. show? Was it a cartoon? Uh sort of. It was live action for a part of it because it would be uh Jordi LaForge or Kunta Kinte. Mm-hmm. And he would pick a book or a couple of books and he would basically highlight them and kind of read a book. But would, and would it there would be... cartoon us into the into the story. Okay. You would become either the main character or 
whatever the case might be okay i love that show i love that show i i I know that i did i remember watching it i just don't remember Uh actually what it was but i know that i know that i watched it all the time i just don't remember what i watched (laughs) well anything else we need to cover for this one uh no i think we're good couple of things with the main arcs so like i said so now a thing that i'm tracking is Mm -hmm. just trying to understand how far out humans have gone um you know i'm I'm not (laughs) after you spent the episode saying i'm not gonna do that no no i'm sorry no but i'm not here's what i'm not gonna do Oh, okay, I'm not. Okay. I'm not going to tie myself to a specific number, which is what I've do- I've made the mistake of like three oh, times okay, previously. Okay, okay, okay. So, so you're just going to point out that this is how far. Yeah. In this episode, right? So and so has been. Yeah, and I'm not going to try to. I'm not going to try to like tie it into the whole thing of like, oh, so this is how far humans went, and then the Enterprise came on because then I'll just be proven wrong in another episode. There'll be, turns yeah, out they mm-hmm. went. 50 light years out you know what i'm saying sure so uh, space is a big place i'm just taking a (laughs) passive approach but it is something that i'm actively tracking and i can't i can't explain why it interests me so much i feel like i talk about this every episode but it's something that i I don't know why it's something that i'm obsessed with with this show so sure because in many aspects like i said before star trek tries to do as good a job to say you, that they've been to xyz and xyz is mm-hmm. planets celestial bodies that actually have been named and actually exist that's awesome oh you know hey there was one thing i want to say oh, that yeah. I, as part of my googling um, oh okay yeah and i didn't feel bad about googling this i googled yeah, sure. how fast do the ships travel in the star trek world universe mm-hmm because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, does warp five mean five times the speed of light? But it's not. So no. So warp one is the speed of light, whatever that is, three hundred thousand kilometers per second, yeah, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, to put in perspective of how fast that is, the fastest object man has ever created went about fifteen kilometers per second. That's the one that made it out to Pluto. To Pluto, yep. Mm-hmm, yep. So. 15 kilometers per second versus 300,000 kilometers per second. Yeah. But even even that, even so, even though that's, you know, um, as fast as things can go, it still takes about nine minutes for light to go from the sun to the earth. Yes. Which is longer than I thought. Um, and so, you know, with Einstein's relativity... It is impossible for anything to go faster than the speed of light in the real world. And uh, just briefly from what I read, there was a, a, like a particle accelerator that, that did an experiment that they thought proved that they could make particles go faster, but it turned out to be a mistake. The, the, mm-hmm. Whatever they read was wrong. And so try as they might, Nobody can make anything go faster than the speed of light, even particles, which is in line with Einstein's theory. And so in these sci-fi universes, um, when they have things that do go faster, it, it breaks real world physics unless they're doing something where they're bending space, something we don't know about yet. Yep. And so, you know, maybe they're being a little bit elusive about it. But 
in Star Trek, um, this could be the result of fans just like doing the math, or maybe it is part of the actual canon. But basically, warp five um, in the 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 fandom online is two hundred times the speed of light. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's exactly. not five times the speed of light. It's two hundred times. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. It's expounded basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I just thought that was really interesting, and it's something I've always wondered. And now I finally, yeah, you know, I can. Sort it's of addressed address. in the one of the Star Trek technical manuals. Okay. I think all of them. I think it's addressed in all of the Star Trek technical manuals. Okay. If anyone has had those when you were kids, like myself. You still have it? I do, I do. Ah, I do. Wow. I have the original and the next generation. Awesome. So I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. And then, you know, obviously uh, Archer's dad was the one. Oh, And so that was uh, something that I didn't realize from the first episode, is that it took them 32 years to build this Warp 5, the humans. Yeah, mm-hmm, yep. Because when, when they show Cochrane in episode 1 in the pilot, that's actually a recording 32 yes, years it is. prior yeah it is it is so um yeah man well oh and no uh no universe in date this week we do get a captain's log supplement though we did get it we do get a supplemental but no main captain's log sorry man i know that but what? i know that bums you out i know <laughs> I love it when we get a star date. I, what? No, I'm sorry. In universe date, no star date established just yet. In star in oh, in in okay. just yet because I because they've been going May July twenty one fifty one. No, you know. Yeah. Star date nine five five six point two. Interesting. Okay. Yet. Yeah. I see. I don't even know what the differentiation is there, but I will. I guess we'll get there, right? eventually yes okay yeah we'll get there all right buddy anything else uh no i think that's it live long and prosper may the force be with you see ya take care